Take a test tube of HIV, add serum from crocodiles, stir well. What do you have? Well, it'll have far less HIV particles than the same experiment done with human serum. But what are we going to do with that? You're listening to Reach MDXM 157, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Dr. Shira Johnson, your host, and with me today is Dr. Mark Merchant, Associate Professor of Biochemistry at McNeese State University in Lake Charles, Louisiana. Dr. Merchant has teaching responsibilities at the university, and he has many, many scientific publications, mostly in journals that are just a bit over my head. But his recent work with the serum of alligators got him into National Geographic, all of the science journals, and many of the news and TV stations. Today we're discussing his recent work with alligator serum and its ability to fight infections, definitely in alligators and possibly in humans. Thanks for taking the time to be with us today, Mark. I know you've been a very busy man lately since all this news came out. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. First, a few questions about your work. What was your hypothesis going into this, and how did you get involved in this arena? I've been around alligators my entire life. I, I grew up... Personally and professionally, is that it? Well, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, when I was young, I, I grew up fishing and, and hunting in the, in the local marshes here. And, of course, when you do that in this part of the world, there's lots of alligators. And, of course, you know, all kids are fascinated with alligators. But what fascinates me today as a professional is, is a little bit different than what fascinated me when I was a kid. We're interested in their immune systems now. Uh, alligators are very territorial animals. They engage in territorial fighting. They bite each other's limbs off, literally. Lots of very serious injuries, but despite the fact that they live in an aqueous marsh environment that harbor many potentially infectious microbes, these enormous wounds seem to heal without a lot of infection, and so that, that's very interesting to us. So what's the practical aspect of this? How does one get blood from an alligator? We go out at night. We shine a, a very powerful spotlight across the marsh. Uh, like many animals, their eyes are highly reflective. We can see their eyes drive toward the alligator, slip a noose over its neck, tighten down, wear the animal down, get it into the boat as soon as possible so as not to stress the animal, tape its mouth shut, and stick a needle in its neck and, and draw blood from the spinal vein. It's uh, in the vertebral column. How long does it take to do all this? Depends on the size of the alligator. Um, obviously, we, we want to avoid injury to ourselves and to the animals. I will let an alligator roll around as long as it takes to get it tired. Uh, anything under four and a half feet, I'll just grab with my hands and you know, drag it in the boat, and we can take the mouth shut immediately. And to draw a blood sample only takes a matter of a minute or two. A larger animal, obviously, we have to, with a noose, we have to let it roll around more. And, and uh, it can take up to 10 minutes, but, but not more than that. Now, you have a team for this, right? Is this what uh, graduate students uh, get on board for? Uh, not really. I, I, don't, I don't let students handle alligators. I, I, don't, I don't need that liability. No. <laughs> <laughs> to tell you the truth, I, I go out with individuals in Louisiana, with the Louisiana uh, Wildlife Department here in Louisiana. I actually live in Texas. So over near my home in Texas, I have a couple friends and sometimes my son We'll go out and catch these alligators and bleed them. What was your, some of your initial laboratory experiments or laboratory work that sparked this, and, and where or when was that published? The, the very first initial experiments, I, I asked the very simple question, can alligator serum kill microbes? First, we started with bacteria, and I tried 23 different types of bacteria in my original study, and the answer was yes. It kills lots of different types, gram-negative, gram-positive. It kills them very rapidly. It kills them in a temperature-dependent manner, and this was published in the Journal of Comparative Biochemistry and Physiology. Then we moved on to look at its anti 
parasitic properties, and that was a, a pretty good study. It was published in the journal Parasitology. We looked at antifungal activities and on and on, and, and then we eventually got to where we were tired of looking at activities and we wanted to look at the mechanism. So then we then discovered through a series of a couple mechanistic studies that were published in various journals that the mechanism of antimicrobial activity of alligator serum is, in fact, the serum complement system. Not actually uh, an antibody formation, right? Just to clarify, there are several different pathways for serum complement activation. The classical pathway, actually called the classical pathway, is antibody antigen dependent. Uh, But the alternative pathway is antibody independent. And we found through some mechanistic studies that that is the pathway that is very active in alligators. That didn't preclude the fact that they may also have a classical pathway, but we know that the one we were dealing with was the alternative pathway. Let's break some of this down and speak in terms of future work and, and where this is going. Um, we know that this, this um, component from the alligator with the complements fiercely attacks HIV, which I'll guess that alligators are not exposed to anyhow. But from a clinical aspect, what do we do with that to have some tangible research ideas for human beings? For HIV, absolutely nothing. I, I downplay my antiviral studies because of the fact that, number one, serum complement is never going to be a drug for humans. Um, it's a series of 10 rather large proteins that would elicit an immune response in humans, even if it didn't elicit an immune response. They're very unstable. They would never have a shelf life. So that's not, not uh, in the picture. So not stable and would trigger a host reaction. Exactly. However, we are working, trying to isolate, feverishly trying to isolate some small cationic proteins that I've shown are produced by their leukocytes. And we hope that these, and these do have uh, antiviral activities, antifungal and antibacterial activities, and we, we're hoping that maybe maybe those might be good candidates for uh, something to be used in a clinical setting. For those of you just joining us, you're listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMDXM 157, the channel for medical professionals. I am Dr. Shira Johnson, and I'm speaking with Dr. Mark Merchant, a biochemist at McNeese State University in Louisiana, who's done some very stimulating research uh, with alligators. What about fungi? Uh, your work showed it was reactive against fungi, and we know immunocompromised hosts succumb to fungi daily. Could you or other scientists see taking that aspect of the research a step further? Sure. Uh, we've shown that these extracts are very effective at killing candida yeast in vitro now. We haven't done any in vivo studies. We've shown that it's fairly effective at, as an anti-candida albicans agent, and we know that candida albicans is a cause of lots and lots of nosocomial infections in the U.S., and so that would be exciting if we could do something about that. And what about MRSA? Very reactive against MRSA, which communities and hospitals are having problems with that right now in real time. The, is the gator serum paving the way for other research in this area, well, or is it again, too virulent? Not, not necessarily not the gator serum, serum, right, right. But the gator leukocyte Com- leukocytes uh, and complement. That's, that's the one we're, ex- we're excited about. Just a note here, a very important note, we're not sure if once we isolate these proteins and characterize their structure, if they will be able to be used internally in humans. We don't know if these tiny proteins are going to elicit an immune response. My inclination is to say that they probably will. But we could certainly use them externally, topically, but I'm not sure about internally. We, we'll just have to see. Yeah, there was a statement in at least one article I read that said pills and creams, maybe you're referring more to the creams, that contained alligator peptides could be available at local pharmacies within 7 to 10 years. Is that a stretch or do you see that happening? No, I, I think that's more realistic than, than something that you would put in an IV drip or something like that because if you apply them topically, there's far less chance that it will elicit an immune reaction. 
uh, you know, a host immune reaction. What was the single most exciting discovery for you personally in this research and why? Uh, there's a couple. The very first day in the lab when we showed that alligator serum kills just all kinds of stuff, that was pretty exciting because I didn't know what to expect. I mean, this was five or six years ago. No one had ever done anything like this. And to see that activity from day one was really exciting. The other exciting thing was when I think I was working with a fellow scientist up in New Jersey. We were trying to isolate what was in the leukocyte extracts, and we were looking at an HPLC profile of the proteins that were in the extract and trying to separate them. And uh, I was comparing an antifungal profile with the chromatogram I saw, and I saw that there were peaks of activity that matched with the protein peak. So I could look at this chromatogram and say, the peak that, the, the protein that makes this peak here has antifungal activity. Here's another one. Here's another protein peak right here, that ha- and that protein has antifungal activity. These other ones don't. So I could actually start to see that there was something in these leukocyte extracts that showed distinct antimicrobial activity. Aren't there some other animals, toads and frogs, for instance, whose blood can behave in a similar manner, at least in vitro? The very first antimicrobial peptide described was by Dr. Zasloff, and it was from the skin secretions of frogs. Frogs obviously have moist skin, which, uh, you know, frogs living out in the forest or in, in wherever, if you have moist skin, that's going to be a really great place for bacteria and fungi to grow. So they actually produce and secrete these onto their skin secretions to help prevent infection. And that was the first antimicrobial peptide described back in the late 80s, I believe. And so that was pretty exciting. And since then, there have been many, many antimicrobial peptides isolated from plants and insects all the way up to humans. We produce our own. But we think there's something special about alligators and crocodiles because they do lead a lifestyle of aggression toward members of their own species. They do put a lot of genetic pressure on each other because of where they live to evolve something really, really good because if every time an alligator fights and tears a hole in another one, if they all go belly up and die, they wouldn't be around. So they've had this incredible uh, genetic pressure to produce something really uh, effective, and I think that they, they have done that. Did any products come on a market that were a result of the work that was done with um, toads or frogs? Not yet. There has been no antimicrobial peptide on the market yet. I think we may be expecting to see our first one in the next year or two. And that's not from you yet? No, no, not from me. Oh. No, no, not, 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 none from crocodilian. I'm the only one working on the crocodilian thing right now. Where do you go to for funding? Is it going to be easier for you now to find funding? Do you think uh, Big Farmer will be interested in the work that you're doing? Well, I have funding right now from the state of Louisiana. Once we actually isolate and start to describe the structure of these proteins, I believe then that maybe the pharmaceutical industry would be interested. I believe that maybe the National Institutes of Health and maybe the National Science Foundation might be interested as well. What's your take-home message for our audience? Uh, wow, uh, take-home message. Well, I'm having a blast doing this stuff, and I'm <laughs> hopefully we can produce something that may help modern molecular medicine combat some really problematic things that we've seen in the last few years, namely the development of these um, so-called superbugs that are resistant to practically everything we have on the market today. Yeah, because your timing, I mean, right when MRSA is rampant and the the drugs we have are gaining resistance to everything. Absolutely. We've got some really nasty things that the CDC has been uh, good enough to share with me. 
you know, things that are resistant to some Klebsiella's that are resistant to 17 or 20 different commonly used antibiotics. And it turns out that these leukocyte extracts are actually quite effective against these. So That's pretty exciting. The CDC gave these to you to work on. That's pretty exciting. Oh, yeah, exciting. yeah. They're, uh, CDC's great. They're really, really good. You and they gave have, you money with it, I hope, right? No, no, no. They <laughs> gave me the, the bacterial strength. And then I actually asked them if they wanted to collaborate, but they said that they were really busy. So I said, well, I can do it myself. I just, <laughs> but they gave them to me, and, and we ran with it. And I'll be writing up that stuff for publication here pretty soon. Now, I just want to do mention that these are in vitro tests. Right. You know, in a Petri dish, these are not, by any stretch of the imagination, any kind of in vivo animal or human testing at all. No, we can't say that too often for our listening audience, but it's still tremendously exciting that you've been able to take these steps even in vitro. And no one goes straight to animals. Everybody, you know, starts in vitro in a Petri dish. So that's where we are now, very early in the game. But pretty exciting stuff. Yeah, this came from an animal that's been around how long? How long has the alligator been around? Uh, crocodilians in general have been around roughly 175 million years, 200 million years. Dr. Merchant, thank you for being my guest today. I thoroughly enjoyed you being on the show. Thank you so much. We've had Dr. Merchant here from Louisiana, and we've been discussing the potential breakthroughs in the infectious disease world through looking at the alligator serum or components from their blood. I am Dr. Shira Johnson. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMDXM 157, the channel for medical professionals. To comment or listen to our full library of podcasts, visit us at ReachMD.com. Thank you for listening.